Good deal. Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope you all have had a great week. You know, one of the things that, that the Lord's been impressing upon my heart this week is that we need to be a God pleaser. You know, from, from all the things that in my life, a lot of times I don't think about pleasing God. I'm just going to be honest with you. We think about not sinning. We think about what are we supposed to be doing. We think that is what is going to please God, right? I mean, how many people know that everybody thinks that if you are going to please God, you probably don't need to smoke, right? Is that one of them that you put on your list? Or how about this? How about, you know, oh, I can't drink too much or, or I can't, you know, uh, I can't go off and, you know, watch bad movies. And did I say a cuss word this week? You know, those are the kind of things that go, you know, do not pass go. You go straight to hell, right? <laughs> no. The thing is, is that being a God pleaser has very little to do with the things that we do a lot of times. You go, well, Dusty, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, it'll make sense after I talk to you about this. But the Lord was really putting this on my heart because I think a lot of times we get to a point in our walk with Jesus where we've run to the end of our list, all the things that we're supposed to do in order to make God happy. And we're just like, I did all that and I don't know if I made him happy. I don't know if, if what I did this week made God happy. Because guess what? we got other things going on in our lives. How many people's got kids? Kids, there lots of kids out here. Lots of parents of kids. Do you know that there is times in our life where we get so bogged down in the things of this world, in the things of life, that we are in a place of just intense myopicism. Have you ever seen myopicism? Myopic means that I get so focused on one thing. And see, God is trying to tell us today that we have be that we're a pleaser of him if we follow him in his particular ways. And I'm going to show you those ways today, okay? But I'm also going to show you what doesn't please God, right? I'm going to show you what doesn't please God because I think a lot of times we get real close to this one, okay? So how many people are a meathead? Oh, come on. Ah, there we go. Don't be a meathead. How many people have seen Ar the Archie Bunker, you know, all in the family? You got meathead, right? He would talk to his son-in-law. Well, you know, one of the things about, about that is when God is trying to show you something, he's trying to tell you that what you're doing is not what makes you pleasing or not pleasing. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, if anybody wants to follow along, I've got it up here on the board. For those who live according to the flesh, this word is sarks, and it means set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6 says, for to be carnally minded, it's the same word. The word carnal is the same word as the flesh when you go look it up in the Greek. It says to be carnally minded. It means the meat of an animal or your five senses. Before I move on, since some of y'all haven't heard my 
any of my teachings on our spirit, soul, and body. But see, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we have a spirit man. The spirit man, when you got saved, how many saved people's in here? Amen. Hallelujah. Do you know that you got completely and totally re-energized by the Holy Spirit? On the inside of you, you're wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. The thing is, is we got to get the Holy Ghost out of you and into this world. And so we have our soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotions. That's why it says that in uh, Romans 12 that we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That means that we need to hear the word. We need to hear what God is speaking to us. And then we need to be able to apply that. See, this is the problem that we have in our in our world is the fact that we've got all the spirit that we need when we got saved. I mean, God's not giving us any more, but we got to get it out of us. So the flesh is our problem, right? The flesh is our five senses. It's what we see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. And a lot of times that's what rules our life. You know, if I'm, if I'm walking around in life and all of a sudden I'm getting, you know, Brock loves to call me up and he'll just tell me just, you know, he just gives me junk all the time, right? If that's what Brock does, then I'm just like, well, I just don't like what Brock said to me. Well, was that from the spirit or was that from the flesh? It was the flesh. It's what I heard, right? Quit being mean to me, Brock. But the thing that gets our soul is either the spirit or the flesh. And see, our flesh... Well, our flesh follows whatever the world's telling us. What's our circumstance? You know that if you have a bad day at work, it's not because of your spirit and it's not because of your soul. It's because of all the stuff that came at you, right? So if the stuff that's coming at you, what you see, hear, taste, smell, and feel, then that is what you're following. Especially if it messes with you, have an emotional outbreak, I always tell everybody, if your emotions are involved, that means your flesh is involved. If you're crying, oh my gosh, it's been an awful, awful day. Well, you know, we have to understand that there's another side to this. There's the spiritual side. There's the things that we don't see. That's one of the reasons why it says that we fight not flesh and blood, but we fight spiritual warfare. Because in the spirit, there's a lot more stuff happening. And it affects our five senses. So it says here in verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity, it means it's hatred against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Now, what is the law of God now? It's not all the, the... the 360-something laws that was put together for Israel, it is love God and love your neighbor, right? See, even those two things, two things, right? Even those two things, they've got a... Those particular things are are what we call um, the Spirit of God and then, the, and then our flesh, and see, when we end up seeing the, the things of this world come into play around our mind, our will, and our emotions, man, 
it's just going to cause us to have not only a bad day, but it's going to cause us to have bad relationships. You know, the death that comes along with our carnal mindedness is if I have a bad day and I go home to Heather and I take it out on Heather, right? Is that spirit or is that flesh? That's flesh. See, that's what we have to understand is that to be carnally minded is death because it doesn't just affect you. If it comes into you, it's going to come out of you. I know, that was a big downer. I feel like we all dry. It was like, whoa, Dusty, oh man, you're really, you're really beating up on us. Well, I'm trying to up front because I want to really build you up at the end, right? I want to I send this sucker home at the end. So in verse 8 it says, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if we are in the flesh, if we are allowing our flesh to be tantalized, if we're allowing our flesh to be, to be brought to a place of, of, how do I say this? If we follow the things that are being told to us, the things that we see, then guess what? We're not pleasing to God. It's just, not, it's just not the way it works. And it says in verse 9, it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Wait a minute, he just flipped the script on us. If you've been saved, you're not of the flesh. That means that the Spirit of God is on the inside of you, and if the Spirit of God is on the inside of you, then guess what happens? You can allow the Spirit of God to come out of you and manifest in all of your things. You can have the worst day that ever happened. You come home and you allow the Spirit of God to manifest in your, out of your flesh and not allow your flesh to manifest in your relationships and with the things that are happening in your world. You know, I find that a lot of times the people that they succeed in life are the people who are able to allow the Spirit of God to overtake the flesh of the world. And I've seen this happen a lot of times, but I've seen a lot of Christians, I mean a lot of Christians, that they're dead in the flesh, but they still walk after the flesh. In fact, it says here in verse, uh, verse 9, it says, But you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. Indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So you're not in Christ. Verse 10 says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the sin is of life, but the spirit, I'm sorry, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Do you know that you, when you got saved, you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Do you know the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus doesn't mean that you became like, oh, look at me. That was not what happened. It means that now you're in right standing with God. It means that, that you and God are all right. Do you know that when you start seeing things where you're not all right with people, you know, they get angry with you. It's like if I came home and Heather was cold because, you know, I put too many dishes in the, in the, in the sink, right? It happens sometimes, you know. But the thing that happens is, is that if the dishes are in the sink and she's upset at me, you know, I'm not in right standing, right? She's upset at me. Well, you know what happened when you accepted Jesus Christ? God said, I'm not worried about those things anymore. 
I'm not dealing with you based upon your goodness. I'm dealing with you based upon Jesus. Oh, I'm going to say it again. I'm not dealing with you. God himself is saying to you, I am not dealing with you based upon how good you are. Because guess what? It ain't even going to measure up to one-tenth of one percent of Jesus. But see, God, he puts his Jesus-colored glasses on when he sees you. And he goes, oh, Jr. There's there's Jesus Jr. right there. You know that every single time, and I know he's having a hard time with that. That's a that's a thing that flips his mind, right? God sees me like he sees Jesus. Absolutely. See, God is looking not only to show you who you are in Him, but He wants to have a relationship with you in a way that He's never had it before. Never had it before. In fact, verse 10, it says, And Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. But the spirit of He whom raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And that is what lives on the inside of you. In fact, it says, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. What you do in the flesh does not please God. I'm sorry. If there's a bunch of stuff that you confess every single morning, that's that's stuff for you. That's not for God. Because God doesn't need you to confess. He doesn't need you to praise and worship Him. He doesn't need any of that. He's God. It's all for you. That's to help change you so that you have a relationship. You know what He doesn't need is any of that. Do you know what He wants? All of that. You know, I remember there was a guy that he would always tell me when this guy worked for me. And he would say, he would say, well, Dusty, do you need me? you know, talking about his job. And I said, no. And he would go, what? You don't need me. And I said, no, I want you. What's better, need or want? See, I want you to understand something. You're looking from one side of the law if you want to be needed because that means you're used. Oh, did I just hit a vein? If you're, if you're on this side of the need, that means that you're falling into this trap of the law. It means that you want to be used rather than wanted means that you want to be in relationship. See, I hear people all the time that says, Lord, use me. 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 And God's like, I'm not a, I'm not a jailer. I'm not... A military commander? I'm your father. You know, with my kids, I don't need them. I want them. See, this is the thing God wants from you, is He wants you. He wants you. Say, God wants me. In fact, it right here, It doesn't always mean he's angry if you do something in the flesh either. I want you to understand that. So, okay, I'm going to, in 1 Timothy, he actually, Paul tells Timothy, he says, he says, 
exercise profits you little. And I was like, praise the Lord. I was like, oh, Jesus, I got me a scripture. I don't have to exercise anymore. But it just says it profits you little in the spirit. You know that this is the problem that we have in our society is that, well, if I can get thin enough, if I can get pretty enough, if I can get smart enough, if I can get, you know, whatever in the flesh, then people are going to want me. I mean, go look at all the TikTok videos, the ones that are really high. You get the, the really pretty people and they're out there dancing and doing stuff. Well, you know, the thing that God wants you to understand is that he loved you no matter what you look like, what you did, how smart you are, whatever your talents are. You know, when you start realizing that God doesn't care about what you do in the flesh, it doesn't please him for you to do stuff in the flesh. But he's also not angry at you. He pities you, I think, sometimes because he was like, you could have just accepted what you are. How many people would just like to accept that I'm in Christ and that I don't have to do anything for my righteousness? I got a hand in the back. Me and Amy and... Okay, okay. there's a few other people in here that's like, I want to just be righteous because of Jesus, right? But see, that's the thing that we have to understand is that you can't do anything for that. So Meathead, I'm going to get back to all in the family, right? You know, Archie would go, his son-in-law was a, was a liberal, you know, like activist. And see, God is a, little bit, is a little bit like this. God doesn't want activism. God wants to have togetherism. See, activism is, all it is, is division. And you may go, well, what about the, the marches in the 1960s? That was togetherism. When Martin Luther King marched, there was more white people than there were black people. I don't know if you understand this, but in this country, there's about five times the amount of white people than there are black people. Does everybody understand that? So when people go, well, you know, the marches in the 1960s is what changed it all. No, no, no. It was a bunch of white people that said, I agree that these people need to have the same rights as everybody else. It was togetherism, not activism. See, what we see today is we see activism that doesn't bring people together because what they want to do is they want to pit somebody against the other and say, you're evil because of who you are and we're good because of who we are. See, Martin Luther King was said, I've got a dream. I've got a dream where both white and black people serve the Lord together. See, he wanted people to be together. See, that's the difference. See, activism says, you know what? I don't need Jesus. I don't need anything. This one thing will fix the world. Nope. If we, if we had DNI in every person's household, it would not fix the world. It would just make the world worse because activism makes things worse. But Jesus makes things better. See, if we had more Jesus and we had less, this is my problem and we need to make that the most important thing, and this is my problem and let's go make that, you know, the one that I should be going after is the fat one, you know, where it's like they say that, 
that with, you know, fat shaming and all that, I should be going, you know what, guys, I'm beautiful. Everybody should just think they put me up on the model. How would you like to have a, a, a calendar of Dusty? <sighs> Goodness, look at this. Look at this. Do you know that this is one of the problems? Is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're fat or you're skinny or you're ugly or you're you black or you're white or whatever it is. None of that matters in Jesus' eyes. See, so activism is something that we can do because we think it's righteous. But see, that's self-righteousness. But if we brought Jesus to the forefront of racism, then guess what happens? We do away with racism. If we bring Jesus to the forefront of all the fat people, hopefully we get skinnier, right? But see, this is what I want you to understand is that activism or anything that you say is the most important thing is nothing but a dividing line between you and someone else. It's one of the reasons why I hate that we have this two-party system that we have. Because you got Republicans and you got Democrats. You know what? I do lean one way. But do you know that one of the reasons why I lean that way doesn't mean that I agree with everything that's on that side. See, we have to understand that there's more to the issues than just one thing or the other. See, activism stops us. And I, and I, I felt like I needed to stay on this for just a second because I think we get in this country into the them versus us mentality. I also got Mr. Beefhead over here, health nut. You know... Exercise profits us, but it profits us little in the spirit. God does not get all excited when you go to the gym. He doesn't. There's some people that you go talk to, it's like, oh, God's pleased with you if you go to the gym. He doesn't care, does not care, does not care if you go to the gym. You know, the whole, your body is the temple, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know what? It is. But it's going to be that regardless if you go to the gym or not. See, I think I hit something right there. There was a lot of people that was like, well, that's not what I've ever heard. Well, you know what? You need to understand that God can use the fat people. He can use the skinny people. He can use any of the peoples, right? Because we can all be the temple of the Holy Spirit because when we accepted Jesus, we all were renewed. All right. How many people, toes okay, still bleeding? Anybody need some Band-Aids, right? Okay, we're going to move on. All right, pleasing God is seeking God. So Hebrews eleven six. we're going to hang out here for just a minute. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This word rewarder means one who pays the wages. You know, Jesus paid all the wages. He paid your wages of sin. He paid the wages of death. Do you know that death, hell, and the grave was what he paid? But he also paid for your peace. He paid for your health. He paid for your prosperity. He paid for it all. And a lot of times we only go, well, he paid for my, the death, hell, and the grave part. That's all I really want. But see, he wants you to understand that he paid it all. By his stripes you were healed. Well, why did Jesus have to have the stripes on his back? Why did they beat him so mercilessly? 
You know why? They beat him unmercilessly because there need to be some stripes on his back in order for you to be healed. He had to take on his body not just shame and not just guilt and not just the damage of the things that happen emotionally, but he needed to take on the physical as well. See, all of these are the promises of God. Those who diligently seek Him is the people who search it out. You ever search for something all over the house? Have you lost something in your house? It's like, I always tell Heather, Hey, where, where's my keys at? No, the thing that's the big thing is my recorder. Where's my recorder? You know, because we bring the thing home and it gets stuck in somebody's purse or in a drawer or whatever, and I'm having to upload the messages or whatever. And I don't get to it for a day or two because of work and everything else. But see, the thing is, is that I don't diligently seek it out. I go ask Heather for it, right? And see, that's one of the reasons why I believe that a lot of times we don't see our miracles is because we diligently seek out somebody else to seek it out. Oh, goodness. You know that when we seek God, He answers. When we seek God and knock on the door, He's going to open it. You know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I have sought God about things and He's shown me what to do. And there's also been times in my life where I sought other people and asked them what I should do. You know which one works better? The one where God tells me what to do. Amen. There's a benefit of doing things God's way. And in verse 7 it says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, preparing an ark for the saving of, of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Do you know that he was saved from the flood because of his faith? You know, it was over 120 years before the flood actually happened. He had to build an ark. You know, we can't even go a month without, if God said, hey, I want you to start reading your word. And then you get, okay, I read it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday. It's like, well, I really got to go to work. Uh, I got to get up early. I go do something. Then I don't read the word on Thursday. Okay, well, then I go and it's like, okay, well, I didn't read my word on Thursday. I'll double up on Friday. I go Friday and then it's like, well, you know, I can, I'll just spend all day Saturday just reading the word. How about that? Then you get to Saturday and somebody calls you up and says, hey, you want to go out and we're going to go, we're going to go do this and we're going to go watch a movie and we're going to go out to this park and we're going to do this. And you're like, yeah, well, I'll go to church on Sunday. When I get to church on Sunday, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get the word and I'm going to be updated with the word. And by the, by the time I get done, I'm just going to be all fired up. And then Sunday comes along and you're like, you know what? I'm tired from Saturday, so I'm just going to stay in bed and I'm not going to do that this week. I'll go back to church next week. Do you know that? I'm just giving you an example, but there are things that when we make a promise to God or we go in a particular direction that we don't even make it a week. And Noah had to go 120 years and all of his neighbors came up to him and said, no, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. See, it still hasn't done. A year's come by. 10 years has come by. 20 years. You know, by the time you get to about 100 years, a lot of people would have quit. Noah still had 20 more years to go. See, that's a little bit different, right? When we start, 
We start putting time frames and everything. Most of us won't even live 120 years, right? See, this is one of the things I want you to understand is that Noah was not only saved from the flood because of his faith, his family, the, the line of all of us came out of Noah. See, we have to understand that God saw him as righteous because of his faith. Verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out of the place which he would receive an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he dwelled in the land of promise as a foreign, uh, as a foreign country, dwelling in, t- in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Do you know that he went for years before he actually saw before he saw anybody get, you know, he didn't have any kids, him and Sarah. In fact, Sarah was so distraught by it, she actually laughed at God. God came down in man's form, was talking to them, and she laughed at him. You know why? Because she's 90 years old. How many people would like to have a kid at 90 years old? Anybody? Anybody want a kid at 90 years old? You, some of y'all still have some time, okay? If you want to get this, you know, whatever. Well, we won't go there. But the thing that I want you to understand is that God Himself came down and said, "Hey, this is this is going to happen," and she laughed. You know, Abraham just stayed strong. Yep, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it says here in verse 11, By faith Sarah herself also received strength and conceived, uh, conceived to conceive a seed, and she bore a child when she, was in, uh, when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So she even came around and she was judged to, to be righteous as well. Therefore, One man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars in the sky in the multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen afar off, were assured of them, embracing them and confessing that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. See, what I want you to understand is that is that there were plenty of these folks. Abraham had, had two children, right? He had Isaac, and he also had Ishmael. And what we have to understand is, is that those are the only two that he saw at that point. Later on, if you go and read, he actually had a few more kids. But what we have to understand is that he didn't see the, the people that, enumerated more than the sands of the sea, but he still believed God. He didn't see it come to pass. See, this is what I want you to understand is that that was the things from back before we had Jesus. You know, our callings, the paying of the wage, means that we're going to see things come to pass in our own time. You know, I'm going to see things that are going to come to pass in my own time with my kids because of the things that I've put into them. But I'm believing that after I'm gone, that my kids, 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 kids are going to be believing Jesus and going to be following Jesus and going through and doing the things that they're supposed to be doing because I'm believing it. I see it in my mind. I see it 
through the Spirit, I know that it's going to happen. Amen. You know what? You can see the exact same thing too. I didn't get a lot of amens on that one. You know, you can, you can be the one that actually plants this seed and it goes on for generation after generation after generation after generation. Now I want you to know what you, how you participate. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 4. And it says, verse 3, And His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which, having been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. This word partakers is kononias, and it means to come alongside. It means to be a companion. Uh, it's like fellowship, right? It's a partner. See, God didn't just send Jesus so that he could save us. He gave us a partner. He wants you to have a partner with Jesus. He wants you to be in the Holy Spirit. He wants you to know what you're supposed to be doing every single day. And he's got somebody whispering in your ear, the Holy Spirit saying, this is where we go and this is what we do. You are a partaker in these divine promises. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Do you know that you have the divine nature on the inside of you? You know that Jesus himself said, All authority has been given unto me. Now you go forth and you lay hands on the sick. You know, there's power that God has given us. See, a lot of times we go, well, I don't have any power to be able to go lay hands on people. Well, you know what? You haven't spent enough time with your father because if you've spent enough time with your father and you know what his promises are, you'll go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We've seen it happen over and over again. Joe's at work, right? Amen. We got people all over the place that has come in. We've had people, uh, we know Katie, she's now free of demonic forces. You know, that scares some people. I don't care. I've seen it. And you need to be people who are propagating the will of God in other people's lives. Because you have a world that I'll never go into. I can't come to your job. I can't go to the places that you go to. But you need to be the one that when you've got, when you understand the power of God is on the inside of you, that you go lay hands on the sick. Because Jesus himself said that not only the works that I did, but even greater works shall you do. In fact, it says here, I just took a couple of these ten attributes. You're, gonna, you're a comforter. You're a friend. You're a shepherd. You're wise. You're good. You know, because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that means that you are good. You have grace. You are a healer. Because you have these same attributes that's on the inside of you. Amen? All right. So we were in Hebrews chapter 11. Now we're in chapter 12. I'm going to finish this thing up. All right? Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which easily ensnares us. I'm going to stop right there. Lay aside every weight in sin. You know, there's things that are weighing us down that keeps us from running our race. It may be just our, you know, our shame. It may be that, that we're 
that we don't feel comfortable. We don't feel like we can do it. But do you know that we need to lay aside those things because those are the sins that easily ensnare us. Because they keep us from believing and they keep us from moving. Do you know that an easy sin is something I keep falling back into, right? An easy sin is one of these things that I fall into because it's normal. It feels right. You know, there are times in my life where I don't want to do things that I know that the Lord is telling me to do them. You know what? I have to lay aside all the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, all the things that come, and I have to keep moving in my race. In fact, it says right here, it says, And let us run with endurance the race that was set before us. Verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you know that you don't have to jimmy up any, any faith? You don't have to author any of your own life. God's going to give you stuff to do. You don't have to worry about it. You just keep being with Him and He's going to show you what to do. You keep being with Him and He's going to put you in the right place. You keep being with Him and guess what's going to happen? You're going to want to do some stuff. You know, Psalms 37.4 says that delight yourself in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. It means that His desires will be in your heart. And then the next verse says, and He will bring them to pass. See, what we have to understand is that God Himself is through Jesus is authoring what we're supposed to be doing and he's also finishing out our faith. When we don't have the strength to do it, he's the one that's going to give it to us, but we have to be willing to know what he wants to do and to go in that direction. Amen? Amen. And it says right here, for who or who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It means he took, he took all of our shame. He took all of our diseases, our sicknesses and everything. You go ahead and come on up, Matt. You know, pleasing God is finding, fulfilling, and finishing our race. Do you know that there are times in our life where we don't know how to finish our race? Maybe you haven't even started it. Maybe God's putting something on your heart today. Maybe he's been putting something on your heart for a long period of time. But God will always put something on your heart. He'll always show you where to go next. God loves you and he's got a plan for you, plan to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. You know what? Sometimes you're thinking, oh, well, is my race supposed to be that I'm supposed to preach? Probably not. There's not as many people who are being called to preach. That's fine. Are you being called to be a parent that teaches their kids how to stand before God and, and to be in the family of God? That's a great call. Are you somebody that's supposed to be a breadwinner that's supposed to give into your family? That's a great call. Are you somebody that's supposed to be a friend to someone? That's a great call. See, we tend to think of God's call as this, oh, the angels have spoke and I'm supposed to go and live in a grass hut in Africa and, and get a million people saved. The answer is no. You're supposed to do the things God's called you to do where you stand. Because God has so many good things for you. He's got so many good things for your family. 
If you've got kids, grandkids, if you have nieces and nephews and all of that, then you need to go out and you need to put into them so that they can, for the rest of their lives, know that who they are in Christ Jesus. You know, I will say this. My kids know who they are in Christ Jesus. My kids tell me all the time, this is what we believe and this is where we're going. And I'm going to rebuke these things and I'm going to go after these other things because I know what God is calling me to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I just pray over each and every person in here. I thank you, Father, that you're just giving them an understanding of what they're supposed to do next, Father, and that they're supposed to please you by believing you. That they're supposed to please you by finding, fulfilling, and finishing what you have called them to do. And that it's not a hard thing, Father. Show them the ways that they can just follow Jesus, that they can follow the Holy Spirit, and that the Comforter will show them what to do and where to go and how to do it. And Father, I just pray over each and every person that you're giving them things, that if they've forgotten, that you're just dredging those things back up so that they understand where they're supposed to be going and how they're supposed to be dealing with the things in their life. Because Father, you want to have a relationship. And, And Father, I just thank you that you're rekindling a relationship with each and every person right now. Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive. May it nourish our bodies. We thank you for this time of fellowship. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. You're dismissed. Please join us for our fellowship afterwards. Y'all have a blessed day.